So as you and I start talking tonight about the gifts of the Spirit and the operation of such in the church, one of the very first important principles, we must understand and know that everything about it is to edify and build up, not just ourselves, but in fact, the dominant attitude is that it will edify and build up others around us and not hinder those around us. You following me? So there are those who have been saying, well, does this mean we're not gonna move in the spirit? Does these changes, are they, are they coming because we're gonna be so big we can't have the gifts of the spirit in operation? Straight up, straight out, that's not what it means at all. But what it does mean is we are going to mature in the fundamental actions and workings of the Holy Spirit. That they, when they are used and they are presented in this house, will be done so in such a mature manner that nobody can shake their head and say that wasn't God. And that everybody would more or less say, wow, that was God. Now, which would you rather have? I mean, I'd rather be in the wow, that was God stage any day of the week. So then we get over into chapter 11 and Paul writes to them and he's telling them some various things that they're doing and that's going on in their lives and he's talking to them. He even had to get into the issue of hair. But he had to because of their idolatrous practices. So there are things in Corinthians that if you read them and you do not put them into context, they make no sense. Because then you go into the discussion, well, how long's long and long hair for women and how long's long and long hair or short hair for men? Well, that's a ridiculous argument. And it leaves off the one verse that is so vitally important as Paul is talking about this whole thing. If anyone seems to be contentious about this hair business, we don't have any such customs, nor do the churches of God. Yet I grew up in a denomination that made a big issue out of that. I mean a major issue. And so we've got to be contextually accurate. We've got to be accurate with what was going on in the times. Reason for the hair business? Temple prostitutes were getting filled with the Holy Ghost and temple prostitutes of the idolatrous cultures of Corinth totally shaved their bodies, everything about, they had no hair on their bodies. And that was part of their temple prostitution rituals. And so Paul had to deal with them about this. We are looking at culture in a wrong way today. We're going to have to start be looking at it in a proper manner as we teach and preach and let the spirit move in the house of God. That's why I mentioned that part of, of chapter 11. He goes on and he talks about communion because they were coming in and they were making a meal out of it. They must have had a lot better bread than pastor serves here. So then we get into chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now I want you to remember that word ignorant in the first verse of chapter 12 because I'm gonna read that word again later on in chapter four. Where is that? Anyway, I'm gonna read it later on. 
You know that you were Gentiles carried away or unbelievers to these dumb idols. However you were led, therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And there are diversities of gifts, differences in the gifts. But it is the same Spirit. I want you to get this. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities within the church. But it is the same God who works all in all. Now remember, we're talking about in the church. In the church meetings and in the church family and in the church structure in the community. You're expected and we're expected to operate in a certain measure that when we're in the community of man, they're going to know who we are by our action, by what we're doing, by our conduct, by how we live our lives. So there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for you to have a great time, get goose, Holy Ghost goosebumps, shout all over the place, jump up and down, scream and holler, do all of those wonderful things, dance, run. That, the, it's all for that. No. He works in all, in all, for everyone to profit. It is one God his Holy Spirit working through us for the purpose of profiting the body of Christ as we come together. There's no prohibition on you shouting, screaming, running, dancing, anything else you want to do at home or anywhere else you go. Okay? But in the house, we're looking at what we're going to do. There'll be times we'll shout. There'll be times we'll dance. There'll be times some people will run. There'll be times these things will go on. But we'll talk about it. So he goes on and he says, so one is given a word of wisdom through the spirit, another word of knowledge through the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit, another gifts of healing by the same spirit to another working of miracles to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongue, to another interpretation of tongue, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, individually doesn't mean he's just going to give you one gift and that's it. It means he distributes individually to each one in knowing your ability to take care of the gifts he gives you and that you will operate in the uniform nature and maturity level that you need to operate in so that you don't hurt people or yourself. Well, but pastor, I'm free. I don't hurt anybody. You don't know that. Because you don't know who walked out that door and said, I watched that person and that place is nuts. Because they sat near you. So he said, but it is the one and the same spirit who works all of these things, being mindful of those around you for their good is vital. Because Holy Spirit will let you have gifts and he will use you in those gifts and he will make a way for those gifts to operate 
within the church service. But the greater measure of operation of the gifts of the Spirit should be outside of this building. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, discerning of spirits, working of miracles, healings. All of these should be outside of the church in more active role than what they are right now and even than they are in the church. Because the church is the equipping place for the body of Christ to grow in goodness, grow in grace, grow in strength, grow in power, grow in understanding. And grow in your ability to work the works of God in the community of man. That's what the church is for, to equip the saints. That means give you the tools you need, equip you in how to use those tools, and then let you go with them. So he's distributing to each one. He's giving all the benefit he can give to each one according to how your ability is to use them. And the more you use them correctly, maturely, and successfully, the more he will open up for you to use the other gifts. Understand? So he gives us a, definite, a description of how that works from verse 12 on down, and he talks about the body. And he uses all this description. I'm not going to read that for time's sake. But he talks about all of this stuff about the body so that you will understand every part of your body has a definite function. Lose any part of it and you will understand what that function was that you didn't even realize it was doing. Right? Injure any part of that body and you'll know quickly how important that part of your body was even though you didn't think so at the time. And he describes this and he describes how it works and he's letting you know that the body is the body of Christ. And we are that body. We are. Therefore, our function and our operation within the house is critical to the health of the overall body. Because if we function well here in the house, the body will be healthy when he goes out there in the world. If we're functioning properly through the gifts of the Spirit in the house, the, the communities we are in will know it and they will be blessed as a result of it. But if we just have free-for-alls run for your money and whatever, this world will still wonder and they will think they're nuts and they'll actually have enough evidence to convict us. You following? I know I'm making you happy. But I'm telling you the truth. Because he says, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. I'm down at verse 26. If one member is honored, all the members honored with it. Now, you are the body of Christ and members individually, and God has appointed these in the church. Then he lays out his appointments, first apostles, second day prophets. Thirdly, teachers, after that, miracles, gifts of healings. Oh, let me, let me back up. Third teachers, after that, after the order is identified, put in place, and functioning, after that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues, all come into play. And they're all free to operate in when the order is correct. 
We have a proper order here of apostles, prophets, and teachers. We do. We even have some uh, evangelists. And there are a couple of people who are coming along who are showing signs of being pastoral. Being those who can care for the flock, who can shepherd them, who can visit in the hospitals, who can go to the homes and pray for people, who can do the things that a shepherd does. Now, one of the fallacies that happens in, in modern church, and I say modern church, but it's been going on for 100 years, is most churches are pastoral-minded and they can't get beyond that. So they think everything's up to the pastor. And you have a singular pastor, and so everything's up to them. They got to do it all. You know, we, my kids, when they were little bitty, used to sing a song in church that their grandpa loved. And it was called Excuses, Excuses. You hear them every day. The devil will provide them if from church you stay away. And one of those things is when the preacher didn't even shake my hand. And my daughter, my youngest daughter, she had a speech impediment when she was little bitty. She had a lisp. And she would sing that part really strong. And the pastor didn't even shake my hand. And now, oh, her grandpa loved it. Okay. I hope you understand some of what I'm trying to tell you. So we have to get past that. We have to get out of that. We have to get into where we're headed. We have to get into what God intends for Christ's church to be. We have to get our minds put in place to understand there will be a greater measure and plenty for everybody to do that is sitting here right now and then some. We need already most all of the people who are attending this house. You're already needed for various things. We just have to know we can count on you and depend on you and believe in you. And we can't have you going bonkers and nuts out in the community or even in the house and then give you something to do. Well, maybe clean the bathrooms or something like that. So he says, are all apostles or all prophets? Well, I mean, hey, there's all kinds of things to do. Are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have gifts of healings, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Let me tell you something about what I just said about the bathroom. Maury Davis, as a young man, committed murder and was put in prison. Maury Davis had a pastor in Texas reach out to him in prison. He gave his heart to the Lord, and God totally transformed his life. Maury then was early released into the custody of this pastor. And the pastor took him in, made a room for him in the church building. And he started out cleaning, doing light maintenance that he knew to do. And they showed him how to do things. And he grew in that. Those of you who have been over or watched Kent Christmas, Kent Christmas is having church in the church Maury Davis built as God had increased him and led him and ministered through him, okay? So this is how God can do things. If you and I will let ourselves be what we're supposed to be 
and keep ourselves in a mature manner. So he says, are all apostles, all prophets, all teachers? No, all, do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret, but earnestly desire the best gifts? And yet I show you a more excellent way. Now let's go back. Do all work miracles? No, but you can. Do all have gifts of healings? No, but you can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Because there is a difference between the gifts of the Spirit and the command that God made that says, you who believe in me, you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In my name, you shall do. And in my name, you will do greater things than these that you've seen me do. So yes, we do, but we don't in the house. You follow me? So there's an order of how these things ought to operate. And that keeps us at peace. Chapter 13 tells us because the more excellent way is love. The more excellent attitude is always love. But in verse 9 of chapter 13, he says this, we know in part, we prophesy in part. That's why it takes the whole body. So if one has a word of knowledge and another has a word of wisdom, then you have two parts to the conversation that is going to happen to an individual. So if God speaks to one of you with a word of knowledge about an individual who has come for prayer and you begin to give that word of knowledge about their life as the Holy Spirit is leading you, and someone standing by has a word of wisdom about how to operate in that word of knowledge you were just given, then that person who has that part of the equation can come in and say, now, here's the word of wisdom for you, how you operate in what you've just been told. Most of the time, most people who are given words of knowledge end up having to be, because they're the only one present, give the word of wisdom as well. So we will say to one, the word of knowledge is this is what's been going on in your life. And the word of wisdom is this is how you can come out of it. This is how the church can help you grow. This is the wisdom of God to tell you how you can lay aside this weight that has been hindering you and you can walk in the fullness of what God has. But we know in part Please understand, I have met more than I care to admit of people who think they know it all and that they are going to follow the Holy Spirit no matter what anybody says and they're about as far from the Holy Spirit as you can get. But they know, they hear from God and they won't question it. They won't have anybody question it. How dare you question whether I hear from God or not? Well, I don't have a problem questioning whether you hear from God or not. You start talking to me and it won't take me long to know whether you're hearing God or yourself or a demon. And after years of this, I can tell pretty quick which it is, okay? And I've got the extremes in both ways. I had a guy show up one day and he told me it wasn't gonna rain anymore until Jesus is ready to come back. 
This has been 1993. How many of you think he missed it? But on the other hand, I've had people come, and this is what God has said. And when I move you to this place, I'm going to take you. This is what I'm going to do in you, and this is what's going to happen in your life, and this is how it's going to work, and you're going to be accepted. And uh, they open their eyes, and tears are pouring down their cheeks, and God does just what he said within a week's time. And he exalts them according to the word. Because they're smart enough to know that if I honor God, I believe in God, my ways will be established. And if I believe his prophets, my life will prosper. And it will prosper greatly. But I've got to believe what God is saying. And it's not going to happen overnight. Some of you are all upset with the prophets of late because last Tuesday went bogus but you're still looking for a political solution when God is going to be a God solution. And he's going to put out a God solution that is so radical and so earth-shaking that it will make a big difference and it will make it in a suddenly. In fact, one friend says it's going to be a lot of suddenlies start break forth. Now, we've some of us have seen suddenlies over the years, but it'll be one here, maybe a few years later we'll have one here. But in workings of miracles, we've seen suddenlies come. And God works great miracles. I've seen him work miracles in finance. I've seen him work miracles in bodies. I've seen him work miracles in rescuing people. We watched him work a miracle in our great-grandson at uh, whatever that hospital is in St. Louis for the children's part when he was premature. We watched a miracle as our daughter moved in a word of knowledge that her daughter was in distress and in trouble, even though she wasn't showing it really strong in, while she was there in the bed. Holy Spirit said, it's not right. It's not good. Get to nurse. They got to nurse. And what is that they call that baby, the, what Megan had? Preeclampsia. And she was going into shock and nobody could tell it. And because Holy Spirit said, this is going on, people moved in quickly and saved her and the baby. So we've seen it, we've lived it, we walk it. And God wants you to walk it in this house. Let me tell you, our pastor wants more than anything you can imagine to have you walk in a mature level in the gifts of the Spirit operating properly. But what he doesn't need, nor anyone else, is to have to be constantly checking you out for foolishness. So we're going to move into that level. We're going to get into that place. We're going to walk into that maturity and we're going to operate in it in a magnificent way. So in chapter 13, what Paul says is it's all about love. And now by the faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So anything you do in operation within the church, if it is not motivated for love of those who are near and around you, more than it is for your own satisfaction, then you're not operating in love. 
So if your antics make you feel good and the people who are trapped sitting near you are being disturbed, there's no love in that. And if there's no love in that, I will guarantee you, you're not hearing from the Holy Spirit. Because Holy Spirit won't make you a spectacle in the midst of an ordered service. Now, there are times he makes us all spectacles, but he'll do it in a bigger manner than just one person. I've been in meetings where they slid out of chairs into the floor. Some laughing. I've watched them crawl like snakes. I've heard them hiss. I've seen them bark like dogs. I've seen people, but I've seen people laugh in such exuberant joy, such great pleasure, such great ecstasy in Holy Spirit, such absolute joy that it is indescribable. At the same time, these other things are going on, but it is still not out of order because Holy Spirit is orchestrating how it's going to go. I watched an entire orchestra in Peoria, Illinois, one night play in the spirit. They were playing beautifully, and all of a sudden, the sound shifted. And the sound out of this entire, I mean, I'm talking about a full orchestra. The sound became so intense and so amazing, and I looked up, and the conductor had folded his hands down and was bowing, and the orchestra had no one but the Holy Ghost leading every one of those people playing instruments, and it was phenomenal. Holy Ghost knows how to keep order if you have disciplined yourself to stay in order. I don't figure I have to repeat that, do I? Because you see, musicians in an orchestra are already positioned to know how they are to conduct themselves under the direction of a conductor. The people at Christ Church ought to know how, already know how, to conduct yourselves and be under the direction of a conductor we call pastor so that we function with such maturity and such power saturated with such love it will make people run to the altar not run from the building because all of these gifts working in miracles discerning of spirits we already have some folks who work that way, who operate in that. One day, not, not too many, not, well, a year ago, I guess, a person came up to me and they, they said, I'm upset, I need to, I don't know what to do. And I, so I talked to them and they told me, they said, we sensed a witch in the house today. I said, oh, you did? And, and where was it? And they described the individual and, and uh, where, where they were. And it wasn't five minutes, another person came up and said, Pastor, we really had a, we had a struggle today in the spirit realm in our area where we were sitting. And I said, yeah, what happened? And they told me, same story. By two or three witnesses, you let everything be established. So we had a discerning of spirits operating. The only thing is, is they didn't know what to do about it. Because you don't go throw the witch out. 
although I've been tempted in the past. But you do bind the demons that are working in the person with the great desire that that person will awaken to the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and receive the love of God to be freed from that demon. And I've seen both happen. I've seen it happen on the Indian Reservation. I've seen it happen in our church in Tennessee. And I believe it's happening here. So knowing how, what do you do with discerning of spirits? Discerning of spirits is understanding what spirit a person is of. So how their actions are, what they're doing, knowing, well, is this God or is this them or are we dealing with demons? And I have dealt with people with multiple demons. I'm talking multiple demons. One person I don't even know, I think they had 12 or 13 personalities, all were demons. God set them totally free. But you see, we have to know how the gifts of the Spirit work in order to operate and function properly for the purpose of freeing the captives. For the purpose of saving souls. For the purpose of edifying the body of Christ. Totally, completely, our focus and our joy must be Christ church is edified today by the moving of the Holy Spirit in such a way and most people here didn't even know Holy Spirit was doing anything but he was doing it through mature Christians who were operating like they're supposed to operate and people are being set free. And they're not a called attention to them. They're, they're honored, they're loved, they're protected and nobody's making a show of them. We're not after trophies to parade in front of the people. We're after souls to present to a loving Savior. Oh, my. That's our main heart. So we go through this. In chapter 14, Paul's having to deal with prophecies and tongues. First words in this, in this part of the letter, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you prophesy. He starts it out, pursue love, but desire spiritual gifts. There's nothing wrong with wanting spiritual gifts, nor is there anything wrong with them operating and wanting them to operate, and we'll show you that. So he says, desire it. For he who speaks in a tongue doesn't speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mystery. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Now get this, because there are people who take those first verses and try to remove tongues. And the very next verse, verse 5, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater, not greater in whatever, but greater, more important that you prophesy than speaking to somebody in tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. All right, so we have that. 
No, but I want in, in verse 15, I need you to see this. Because he talks about how these things operate, how that there are, there's an order to tongues, there's an order in a time, there's an order for interpretation of tongues. There is a tongue that has an interpretation to it, and then there's our prayer language. The majority of time here, you will hear different ones praying in the Holy Spirit, but if you notice, their praying in the Holy Spirit is not interrupting everything else. Okay? It's an orderly move of God that we pray. And verse 15 gives us the understanding of that. Because Paul says here, what is the conclusion? I will pray with the Spirit and I'll also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit and I will also sing with the understanding. I wish you would understand more about singing in the Spirit. A tremendous blessing. Sometimes when you hear the instruments, just they take off and they're going. Because you don't have words to what they're playing, just start singing in the Spirit. Let Holy Spirit work in you. Because if all we're doing is listening and we're listening to the music, there's a reason, and you apply singing in the Spirit along with it, not loud, not intrusive, not abrupt, but just singing to the Lord a new song. You will be edified in a great measure. And it will stir the gift of the Spirit to move in the house. Okay? So the overriding intention of the gifts of the Spirit in the house is for the edification of the body and salvation of the believers. So we want to see that. We want to have that. We must have. Holy Spirit have free reign. But a free reign by Holy Spirit doesn't mean you have to have a three-hour service. Doesn't mean you got to have a two-hour service. Doesn't even mean you got to have a 30-minute service. Freedom in the Holy Spirit, he can do more in five minutes than we can do in 30 years. He's proven that to me. Because I pushed myself for years and all of a sudden he said, okay, I'm tired of watching you struggle and it's done. And I say, gee, thanks. <laughs> but it is very important to understand that all of these things are necessary. All of these things have a place. If you get into using them and you, you start to get out of order, if somebody comes in love to correct somebody, meaning somebody who has the right to do so, comes to you with a loving correction, listen. Because we'll be trying to help you grow. We're trying to help you to begin to operate properly. We're trying to help mature the body of Christ. These, the pastors and the people here who are in leadership, they want to help you, motivate you, and equip you better than you've ever been equipped and motivated before and then release you to do the things that God wants to do in you and through you. But please listen because it's critical that we understand our purpose and it's important that we understand what these are for and we look at what is best. Paul said in 18, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding 
that I may teach others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Now, obviously, if we were to come in here Sunday and start in just praying in the Spirit and never change that, without it being a directive of God for pastor to lead us to do that, we're going to get into confusion. And you can let loose any kind of unclean spirit you could ever imagine in the house. And as we say, it ain't happening. Okay? Are we okay, Pastor? So what is the best? Verse 26 is vitally important. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together? Each of you, listen to how he says this. Each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation. Each of you do have a tongue, but in a different manner that he's talking about. Has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Now, I want to tell you something. I don't believe for one minute Paul's praising them for this. He's saying you're coming in here to create confusion because you got a psalm and you want to tell everybody your psalm. Or you got a tongue and interpretation and you want to tell everybody your tongue and interpretation and you're out of order in it. You've got a revelation. You want to grab pastor before church starts and give him your revelation because you just know when you give him your revelation, that's what he's going to preach because you're excited because you heard from God and he's not hearing from God like you hear from God. So therefore, I've got to tell him this revelation so he'll know what he's supposed to preach today. And you're looking at me, some of you, but these things happen. They've happened to me, but they only happen once. I've got a young pastor I'm trying to help right now. He has somebody all the time telling him. And I finally told him, I said, look, if I have to come down and sit with you, you've got to straighten this out. You can't have somebody every Sunday coming to you and telling you this is what you ought to be preaching. This is what God is saying. I'm always about two weeks ahead of you, Pastor. I would have already given them the left foot of disfellowship and told them, do not let the door hit you where the good Lord... Anyway, you need to leave. So what he's saying is, is you're out of order when you think this way. You have to be willing and obedient to allow God to move in you, but you cannot override your will and your intentions to what God wants to do in the house because it's confusion and the Bible plainly states God is not the author of confusion. He even says it this way. If you speak in tongues, two by three, that's fine. One interpret. If there's no interpreter, let them keep silent in essence. If two people have given a message in tongue and nobody has stood up with an interpretation of it, then stop. 
don't press it, don't move on, just stop. Nobody's hurt, nobody's offended, nobody's taken aback, just stop it. So then he goes on and he says, and let two or three prophets speak. But here's the part nobody really likes. And I don't hear anybody preach it, but me and a couple others. Let the others judge. When you are afraid of someone judging your words, you're already out of order. We have a relationship that I will have my words judged every time I deliver them. And not immediately, he has time to record them. He even writes them out. And then they look at them and they judge them. And then we sit and we talk about them. And not only mine, but others. Anybody who gives a word. And they, they are judged, are these from God? Are they profitable? Are they what we need to make sure everybody remembers? Because it's part of what God wants to do in all of us. So then he says, for you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirit of the prophets, now that is a small s, in that verse, meaning the human spirit abiding within the prophets is subject to the prophets. Your human spirit can fake you out like you've never seen. Your own desires, your own attitude can fake you out to make you think you're hearing God. And if you can't be judged in it, you're going to be in trouble in it. Because God doesn't want you into that confusion. God doesn't want to mess you up. God doesn't want you fallen prey to everything that comes around. He wants you lifted up, elevated, and, and, and blessed. You remember that first word I read you about ignorant? Verse 38. Oh, wait, wait. If anyone, verse 37, if anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. But if anyone is ignorant, just let him be ignorant. You know, if, 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 you've, if you've been at least attempted to be corrected, in your ignorance several times and you continue to resist, then we're going to leave you to your ignorance, but we're not going to let you interrupt other people's lives and hinder what God wants to do here. Now, <laughs> like I said, y'all still love us. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. And yes, I skipped verse 34 intentionally. If there's going to be a discussion on that, this man's going to do it. <laughs> verse 34. 
And then he will have to take it up with that woman back there. Because if I bring it out, I have to take it up with this woman up here. I may not be the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I ain't the dullest either. So we desire earnestly as a church, as a people, earnestly desire for the gifts of the Spirit to be manifested in a mature manner, for the power of God to show himself every time we come together. Now let me tell you something. When you walk in the doors, any one of these doors of this house, you can immediately begin to function in the gifts of the Spirit. You can immediately, if church hadn't started, that is. If we've already started the service, then the order is already set. But when you come in prior to that and you see somebody and Holy Spirit says, I want you to tell them this, then tell them. Make sure it's the Holy Spirit telling you. You know, don't tell them, look, you wore blue pants with a, with a black shirt. It just don't work. And you got brown shoes on with a black suit and it doesn't work. Or I can't believe you're wearing white shoes and it's November the 16th. <laughs> you're laughing, but you'd be surprised at the number of people that have told us things yeah. like that. Can I tell them about the ankles and elbows? You don't care? We were at a legalistic church in Wyoming, and one of the guys, now these are people who had come from L.A. as drug dealers, pimps, and hustlers. And they got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. They were real. They were, they were full of the Holy Spirit. And one of them one day told Sherry her, her uh, short sleeves were offensive to her. And you didn't wear your dress down to your ankles. And they were offended. She was, they were offended by her attire. My wife's very subtle. She said, "Listen to me, bub. If ankles and elbows cause you to lust, you're the one with the problem." And your lack of deodorant is far more offensive than my elbow shining out of my shirt sleeve. She never had a problem with that guy again, nor any of the others. So foolishness takes place in the house of God, whether you know it or not. Sometimes we try to hide it and keep you from it so you don't know that, you know, the ridiculous does go on. You're safer that way. We want to keep you safe. We really do. <laughs> and we want you to know you can operate, you can operate in the gifts of the Spirit. You can flow in the gifts of the Spirit. But when it's time for service to start, it's time for service to start. Then we all come to the attention of what's going on from the platform back. 
And we stay in that mode unless Holy Spirit does something. And remember the conductor analogy? And the conductor moves and says, this is going to happen or this is going to happen. Like Sunday when he said, all of you who have been part of healing school, I want you to come up. Well, that was terrific because some of you have never even had that opportunity, as far as I know, to come up and pray for people. But because you've been to the training, you've been to that healing school, now you're equipped. We want you to operate, and Pastor knows this is the time to do that. And then after he finishes the message, he gives an altar call, and we had people get saved Sunday. We had two young ladies that just started coming from Africa. Is that where they're from? Came up for prayer and God ministered to them greatly. We had other couple, a couple that came up and then another young lady and then one I think wants to be baptized. So see, we have the gifts moving. We have the things flowing. We have the power operating. And it's here in us working through us as a house that is in the unity of the spirit held together by the bond of peace because we speak peace to one another. We reach out in peace to one another. We're not wanting to blast anybody. We want the peace of God to rule in our hearts and minds and keep us where we need to be, that he can bring in without fail people from every walk of life and see their precious hearts transformed into God's glorious miracle-working power. That's our desire. 